Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. Farmers have got to be experts in so many fields these days. It can range from everything from agronomy through to trading commodities. In recent times, energy management's been added to the list. G'day, I'm Drew Radford and this has been the case for dairy farmer Tony McCarthy, who arrived in Australia pretty much with just a backpack and has since been focusing on building up his business from scratch. To find out how energy management has become an important part of his business and also how he got help with that, he joins us for this AgVit Talk podcast. Tony, thanks for your time. You're welcome. Tony, you're a dairy farmer, but I understand dairy farming flowed through your blood on the other side of the planet. Where did you grow up and what was the family doing? I grew up in Southern Ireland in uh, County Cork and uh, it's a renowned dairy part of Ireland and um, yeah, a small dairy farm and as my wife says, uh, I picked up farming disease from a young age and uh, and I, I enjoy farming, I love dairy farming. Well, it sounds like quite a substantial disease you've picked up because now you've developed quite an operation from scratch in Australia. You, you pretty much came to Australia, I get the impression, with not a lot and have built a dairy farm. So where's your dairy farm now and how many head are you running? Our dairy farm is located at just outside of Tatura in northern Victoria. We're currently milking 550 cows and... Uh, We've built a built the farm up since we took it over. We arrived in Australia in two thousand and five, uh, and we bought the farm in January two thousand and six. Uh, and it was a one hundred and eighty cow dairy farm. Our aim was to build it up and, and build it into a bigger herd, so that uh, we could uh, have a business that would create wealth for us. That's quite a remarkable story, Tony, of growth and development, and I'd imagine a lot of perseverance in there. Yeah. What size is the property that you're running that many head over? Look, at this stage, we we have over a thousand acres. Yeah, when we started out, we the farm size was about three hundred acres. So, yeah, we've continuously added to the farm, and uh, I guess it's part of farming in Northern Victoria, where where once it was a very intensive. A high stocking rate area it's now becoming less intensive with more acreage to grow more feed and uh, manage the businesses through times of uh, less rainfall and less uh, water availability for irrigation. Tony running that sort of operations obviously got a number of overheads with it and I guess milking that many cows requires a bit of power as well wouldn't it? That's correct, yeah. As a lot of people in the dairy industry call it, it's growing pains. You know, you, you take over a small dairy farm and and as you build it up and build more cow numbers, produce more milk, you've got to have access to more power. And uh, it's just uh, part of the growing infrastructure to manage the bigger herds. As part of that growing infrastructure, then there's obviously the ongoing cost of power bills. I understand you recently completed an energy project. Was one of the drivers behind that trying to keep those costs down? Yes, uh, very much so. I suppose like uh, all aspects of farming, we we do try to uh, employ people or bring people to our business that can help us make good decisions to uh, 
where the best dollar spent to make a return. So we did get a, a consultant in to carry out an energy audit and uh, as part of that energy audit, he identified certain areas of the business where we needed to target uh, investment that would uh, give us a good return on our money spent. What were those areas then, Tony? I guess like any dairy farm, the biggest costs uh, have been cooling milk and probably heating water and uh, pumping water, but uh, to a lesser degree, I suppose. Uh, in the dairy building is probably where, where we spend most of our money on power. And so what did that actually involve then, Tony? Implemented totally new cooling systems for the milk? As our milk volumes grew, we found we our old vat and cooling system was getting uh, very much uh, under pressure because it wasn't designed for the flow of milk that we had uh, gone to in, in, with our herd expansion. So it was creating issues for us in getting milk chilled down at the correct temperature in a short time frame. So... It was a big area of running the business that we also knew we had to target and we knew we had to spend money to uh, get on top of this so we could uh, get our milk to the factory in a, at the right parameters that the factory require. And yeah, the audit identified that uh, we needed to move to a glycol system to get milk chilled down and getting into the vat at close to temperature, where previously the compressor on the on the vat would be the milk would be dropping into the into the vat at 14 degrees, and the compressor would run for two to three hours after milking, getting that milk temperature down below four degrees, and especially on hot days, it created a lot of angst and a, a lot of concern that chillers could trip out and milk would be picked up at high temperature and then there'd be penalties for producing poor milk and it just uh, was an area we we knew we had to work on. Were there flow-ons though in terms of the new glycol system being more energy efficient to run? It uses power but it uses it in a shorter space of time and um, it is more efficient because the machinery is not running for as long. While it does take a lot of power to drive it, our running costs have been reduced considerably because the machinery is scaled to the volumes of milk that's coming through. And uh, at the same time, part of the uh, glycol chiller, it has a heat recovery system on it. While it chills our milk, it also heats water it can heat water up to 50 degrees. The water in turn is we use every day to wash down the, the plant and wash vats, etc. Tony, you said at the start one of the issues for any dairy farmer is what you quoted as growing pains, i.e. more energy needing to come into the property. I understand you've also put in a solar plant. What sort of size and what sort of benefit are you getting from that? We put in a 38 kilowatt solar system, so uh, we're probably... Uh, Six, seven months into the process uh, and uh, we're fine-tuning how we can harness the solar and use more of the solar on the farm because dairy farms use a lot of power at either end of the day and usually in the morning we're finished milking before the sun starts generating much solar and uh, evening, we do capture evening sun which uh, helps our power 
we also want to um, try and get the um, solar system working during the day to chill down glycol that in return can be used to chill our milk in the morning milking and also in the afternoon milking. So the as such, the, uh, we're going to use glycol as a battery so that the solar system can uh, get the uh, glycol chilled to uh, two or three degrees and return that glycol can be pumped through the plate cooler to uh, chill our milk. So I suppose we're, we're getting six or seven cents uh, for our um, electricity that's exported off the farm and uh, we're paying 25 cents plus for our electricity. So it makes sense if we can use more of our own solar production on farm rather than exporting it into the grid. It's such an interesting way to look at it, Tony, in terms of the battery you said there, glycol is a way of essentially storing energy. That's it in a, in a nutshell, but it's uh, getting the um, the right people to help us put this in place. Is uh, We've had a bit of a journey and uh, there's still some of that journey to play out, I suppose. And there is farm businesses doing this, so we're, we're not alone. It's uh, something that is being done. And uh, I suppose with technology improving, it's getting easier with smart technology that can figure out when when our solar is starting to generate power and then starting to bring in different uh, machinery on the farm that can use this power from the solar. Farmers are busy, so we it's not like we're going to be there switching on roller mills or switching on water pumps. We've got to have technology to do that for us. So, uh, look, that's part of what we're working through at the moment is uh, getting the the right people to help us to do that. Tony, what do you estimate your savings are going to be, maybe even just in a percentage figure in terms of power bills? Look, we, we haven't been um, overly uh, optimistic, but uh, look, 25% uh, would be uh, an unoptimistic view of it at the moment, but uh, definitely there's potential to push that higher, you know. I suppose power bills are always seem to be going up and... Uh, when we put the solar system in, uh, our energy company changes your tariff and then it seems like you don't get the great benefit from solar that you thought you might get. So look, the more solar we can use in our business, we get the bigger gains. So that's our focus is generate power, use the power rather than any of it going into the grid. Tony, were there any other elements that you weighed up when deciding on which energy technologies to implement. You're obviously production, guaranteeing production quality was really important. Gaining energy savings are important. Were there other things that you considered? Uh, another one that was identified was a variable speed drive on our vacuum pump. We did install a new uh, rotary dairy in the last 12 months. So, uh, look, it was a bit of a a no-brainer to just to go down that route. It was identified in our audit as being having a good payback, like within five years, and uh, so we uh, made that a priority was to have that on a variable speed drive. That was uh, another area we focused on. Tony, it sounds like there's been a lot of gains from this process. Were there any unexpected benefits? I suppose the big benefit has been the stress of uh, having machinery that's not up to the task, I suppose, and uh, 
I mean, we all want to produce good quality milk, and so I suppose we do tend to get a bit nervous when machinery is uh, not working hard, and uh, especially on these 40 plus degree days, and hoping everything stays going. So I suppose the peace of mind has been good. And I suppose also another gain has been, you know, like we have relief milkers coming and going and staff like to have their rosters and know when they come to the farm and when they leave the farm as much as possible. So having milk tankers turning up during milking to to load milk out of the vat and uh, a lot of that has been eliminated. So like because our, our cooling times are are short and the pickup times for the tankers is bigger whereas previously the pickup times for the tankers might be a narrow window because your vat is running for x amount of hours after milking and and then something happens in the and the milk tanker has to come in when you're milking happier staff more peace of mind and i suppose opportunity to grow the business further if we see there's a possibility to do that they sound like great benefits, Tony. Lastly, is there any key advice you give to other farmers who are about to embark on an energy journey like yours? Get good people to come in and, and do a, an energy audit that can identify savings and identify options that can be put in place to help uh, reduce costs and maybe run the business better. And probably... <laughs> Reliable suppliers who sell you equipment, either that be chillers or, or solar, and people who are there to service it for you and, and, and help you to uh, get the most from the machinery that they do install. For Tony McCarthy, the energy audit was a big leg up in terms of identifying energy savings. A person who's been taking a helicopter view of on-farm energy savings is Agriculture Victoria's farm business economist, Julie Harmon. She's been part of a team doing case studies of farms that have undertaken energy projects. So she's seen firsthand many of the successes and gains. What we wanted to focus was actually looking at that whole journey for farmers that they took. So the AEIP, which is the Agriculture Energy Investment Plan was enacted a few years ago and it was about a three-year program and that provided farmers with the ability to get free energy assessments on farm and then also to apply for grants to assist with installing that technology. What we did with the case studies is we wanted to highlight the practical opportunities that farmers had taken up and offer insights. So we wanted to showcase across a range of industries, so you'll see we've got intensive livestock industries, dairy, uh, we've got a nursery as well, and grain. So it was about visiting or having interviews with these farmers and putting together what their journey was from the beginning to the outcomes. So other farmers could go to the website, so these case studies will be published on the Energy Smart Farming website and basically give them some confidence around adopting different sorts of technologies. So For farmers themselves, you know, the important thing is that energy technology is part of their whole farm planning. So there's energy, there's labour, there's water efficiency. It's where they want to progress and go forward in their business. It's about environmental sustainability and drought resilience. You know, that's what we were trying to capture. And they're the factors that farmers have to look at as energy is one part of them going forward 
um, in adopting progressive technologies and enhancing their productivity over time. Well, Julie, you mentioned it's part of the planning process there and most farmers look at a return on investment when they're looking at putting something new on their property. So is that the KPI, for want of a better description, or do farmers assess the economic payback of an energy investment differently? There is a number of factors that go into an economic payback. And if you look at straight economic payback, which is the costs and benefits, and if you were just to look at the energy economic payback, part of what they have obtained in the energy assessments is you can put a single piece of technology in, it has a cost, what is your energy savings in year one, the next, and then you can look at simply dividing what's your annual payback by the cost of the investment. Let's say, you know, it's 10000 The benefits are $1,000 a year. The payback is 10 years. It's a bit more complex if you want to do a full economic payback because you also need to look at co-benefits and you also need to look at, you know, energy prices increase over time. So what you're trying to do is to look into the future and say, okay, in the next five years, what are your energy costs likely to be? what is the value of today's benefits versus your future benefits. And we also know that quite often you don't put one piece of technology in in isolation. So there are also interrelated co-benefits in putting in sequential investments. So you may choose to put a smaller solar in, for example, and then you may look at, if you're a dairy farmer, putting in a chiller after that, that also uses some of that solar power as well. Or we see in the grain industry, you may be expanding and putting in silos and other implements that can run on solar. That's why it becomes part of a a sequencing investment. So there is online calculators available. There are energy audits, which will help you understand the technology and the return investment for single investments per technology. What you're looking for then is to sort of work out what's, what's your business plan going forward And are there other additional benefits as well? You've given a couple of brief examples there of co-benefits. Do you have any others there that you could flesh out? The two key ones that we saw coming through in the studies are labour savings and water efficiency. So, you know, you may put in soil moisture probes. You may put in a, a more efficient pump. These have energy savings. Obviously, you don't need to pump as much water to achieve the same outcome. You achieve a more optimal outcome because you have a better information set or you have a more efficient pump. So there obviously there's water savings there. What came out strongly in the case studies is the labour savings. So if you just think solely about energy savings, you may be able to have energy savings are there also labour savings associated with that? And that came out strongly that farmers were with outdated uh, older equipment that there were workarounds that they could do to manage that in their system. But what it absolutely allowed for when they put in these new pieces of technology is that there were labour savings. And that could be new equipment often comes with screens with them that allow you to identify faults or it allows you to identify where your energy usage is. So it gives farmers a great value in the information set. And there can be simple technology like um, a water tank monitor where you no longer have to go and check 
that your water supply is working efficiently because you can get SMSs to your phone. That's the same with soil moisture probes as well. And there are other factors which are harder to put a value on, but they're also important and farmers think about them in making their decisions. So you may not be able to put an actual dollar value on it. And these are things like you will see an increase in your product quality, you know, whether that be fruit or whether that be grapes. It minimises the risk that you may lose if your system shuts down for a dairy farmer that you'll have to dump a load of milk. It frees up quite often operational benefits. So labour can be diverted to more efficient activities. That came through. And there are great OHS benefits as well in a lot of these new technologies as well, which is really important. So if you were to just look at energy savings, you may say it has a long payback. But actually longer payback energy savings are often smart choices if you capture all the co-benefits. Julie, what's your key piece of advice that you would give to farmers who are about to embark on their own energy journey? As with any investment, you know, do the numbers for your individual situation. Understand your resource use. So that's your hot spots that you may have in your energy use, you know, whether you can shift any of the load for your electricity use from daytime to nighttime. Where would be the most efficient use if you were to install something like solar? how you can use smart technology for minimising your water costs and your resource use as well as energy. Know what your goals are and incorporate that into your planning because energy is not a one-piece technology journey. It is a number of sequential investments you're going to make over time. And what are your goals five years from now for your farm? What's your level of production going to be? Where do you see your balance? you know, between labour and energy use and achieving your profitability over time. An energy assessment or advice by an independent expert is absolutely useful and build into that energy assessment or advice your other co-benefits, not just your direct energy benefits, but what are your co-benefits. It was very clear from doing the case studies and the other work that's been done across the energy team that those other co-benefits are as important as your energy benefits and these pieces of energy technology you can put in, whether that be variable speed drives on your pumps, whether that be new chillers in the dairy, whether that be solar, whether that be new weed spraying equipment on your farm, all have significant direct energy benefits and have substantial labour and water efficiency savings as well. Julie, there's some fantastic insights there and I can't wait to read some of those case studies. For now though, Julie Harmon, Farm Business Economist with Agriculture Victoria, thank you for sharing those insights and joining us for this AgVic Talk podcast. Thank you, Drew. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback. So please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.